Good morning, church. It's good to see you guys. Uh, as we as we continue on, we're continuing on through uh, this series on prayer uh, in the Gospel of Luke. We've kind of slowed slowed down on on the Lord's Prayer, and we're asking Jesus, uh, just like His disciples did, Lord, teach us to pray. Would you teach us to pray as a church, as a community? Um, we need you. We need your help uh, to learn to pray. And and I, I I think He's answering that that prayer, and I think He is teaching us. And let's continue to press in um, over the next two weeks and and ask Jesus and and learn to pray. Um, we, we ask you, and one of the, the kind of applications for this series has been to prayer walk in your neighborhood. Um, and you can see the map here. You can see that uh, there's been a lot of neighborhoods that we've, uh, we, there's been prayers happening in a lot of neighborhoods around our area. These are ones that you've shared with us. Um, yeah, give me a, that's good. Uh, yeah, praise God. The, uh, the, if you would like to, um, I just encourage you to continue to do this. Continue to, to walk and pray in your neighborhood. Um, if you haven't shared with us, feel free to, to email prayer at makingmuchofjesus.org. Uh, we'd love to add you to the map, just have a visual of where, uh, where our church family is praying and, and what, what might God do through these prayers. What might God do in answer to your prayers uh, that you may never see? You may never see to glory uh, that man, someone, uh, someone came to faith because of your prayer, because you walked by their house and said, God, would you bless them? Would you reveal yourself to them? Um, and God answered that prayer. Uh, we, we've seen in the Lord's Prayer, right, in Jesus' prayer and how he teaches us to pray sample prayer, his, uh, this is his master class on prayer. We saw that he starts off by saying, address God as your father. God is your dad. You can come to him and address him and say, Father. Uh, and, and we see that the first part of this prayer is focused on God. Right, would your name be honored as holy? Would your kingdom come? And we are to, uh, to, to address God and, to, and to, to orient ourselves to his name, to his kingdom, to ask him to do his will, not our will, uh, not our will be done. Um, but then in the second part of the, the prayer, we see that there, it, we, there's three petitions. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, and, uh, and do not bring us into temptation. And these, these are, so the second half of the prayer moves to, to us, moves, right? These petitions are focused on, on us. They're to God, but they're about us, and they're about things that we need. And as I've been studying the second half of the prayer, the second part of the prayer, um, I, man, our neediness has, has jumped out to me, right? Isn't it amazing that, that Jesus says, and we saw last week, give us each day our daily bread. This is a prayer that we pray each day. Um, and we're to come to the Lord each day and say, Lord, I need bread today. And, and today, Lord, I need forgiveness. Lord, I need protection and guidance. Jesus reveals and expects us to be needy. Um, we, don't, we don't like neediness, right, in our, in our world, in our culture. Um, we, we don't, we, you know, if even just to describe someone, if you describe someone as needy, right, that's never a good description, right? What does it mean? They can't do anything for themselves. They're always, at, they're a drain, you know, they're always asking you for something. We don't like to be needy. In our flesh, we don't like to be needy. We don't, we don't want to have to depend on someone else. We don't want to have to ask for help. Right, what we, want to, we want to be able to do it ourselves. We want to be self-sufficient. We want to be able to handle We want to be the people that other people depend on, not the people who have to depend on others. Not only that, but a success in the world, I think, is, is against the idea of neediness. 
Who are the successful people in the world? They're the strong people. The people who know what they're doing, who can make their own way, who have a plan and accomplish their goals. Right, the self-sufficient people. These are the successful people in the world. These are people that we emulate, we look to to be successful. And I think sometimes we can take this worldly idea of success even into the church. And we can think, well, how can we be a witness to the world if we're not strong and certain? If we're not put together, right? if, we don't, we don't have, if we don't know and, and, and if we're not self-reliant, how can we be a witness to the world? But isn't it interesting that Jesus expects us to be needy? He expects us to be needy. I was, I was uh, struck last week by Pastor Kevin's illustration of the, he said, we're not like smoke detectors that you just put like a nine volt of God's power in and they're good for a year. Um, but instead we're like an iPhone 6S that you just have to leave plugged in all the time, you know? I, I love that. I've been thinking about it. I'm like, that's true, right? That's true. We're like that. We're needy. We, we, we need him every day. We need him every hour. We have to, we just, basically you have to always leave us plugged in <laughs> to the Lord or we die. So if, if today you're here and you're needy, you're like, man, I don't know how I'm gonna make it even through this day, much less this week. If you're here and you, you feel and poor in spirit, I don't have anything to offer anybody. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm struggling with something. And for those of us who are needy, this, this sermon's for us. Because Jesus invites you in. He invites you to bring that neediness, to pray. If, if you're not needy in here, you're like, man, I, I'm pretty good. I, I don't know. I, just, I, don't, I don't, can't remember the last time I had to confess something or confess something to someone else or to God. I'm... I'm I don't pray that much because my life's going well. I've, I've pretty much got a plan and I, I can go through a week without praying and that would be fine, probably. You're not, you're not needy this morning. For those of us in here like that, this message is also for us. But, I, but I'm not sure that we'll be able to hear it. Right? And, and, and if, if in our pride we think, I don't really need God, I mean, if I'm honest, I don't think we'll be able to hear it. And so we are needy because we need the Lord to speak to us. We need the Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts. And so let's pray. Let's go to the Lord now and ask him. I want to give you a second, just in your seat, to pray and ask God to speak to you. And if you're brave enough, ask him to show you your neediness and his grace. If you would, pray also for me. I know that I can do nothing good without the Lord. So pray that I would be faithful to him and helpful to you.
Abba Father, you know our weakness. You know how distracted we are. You know how proud we are. You know everything. So would you, would you break through the barriers in our heart to hearing your voice? Would you speak? Please do this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask two questions today. What do we need? What do we need? And how do we embrace our neediness? There's, I think there's three things from this passage as part of the prayer that we need. And the first one is that we need forgiveness. We need forgiveness. Um, what, what, is, what does that mean? And forgive us our sins. What, what is Jesus saying that we should pray? Well, uh, you know, what are sins? So that's maybe that's a good way to place to start. What are sins? There's actually two words for sin used in this passage. There's forgive us our sins. Uh, and then in, in the, later on it says forgive everyone in debt to us. So it's sins and debts. And these two words kind of get at different aspects of sin and, and forgiveness. Um, the, the, word, the word for sin, it means to, to miss the mark. It means... Uh, moral failure, right? If you're saying, God, forgive us our failures. Forgive us the ways that we failed you. Right, the, the debt, a debt is a financial word, obviously. Uh, it can be outstanding debt, but there's also a relational component, uh, and there can be. If, if you know, I say, hey, you owe me one. You know, that, I'm not saying money. It's, it's a relational debt. Um, and, and, and whenever there is sin, there's always a cost, there's an emotional, a relational, a physical, a spiritual cost to sin. You cause damage. You cause hurt. Uh, this is what evil does. Um, and, and, and so uh, to ask for forgiveness is to say, God, don't, don't make me pay my debt. Don't, don't make me pay for what I've done, for what I owe for what I've done. Instead, you pay it. Would you absorb the cost? This is what forgiveness is. It's what forgiveness means interpersonally too. If someone's sins against you, right? And you, you say, I'm gonna forgive you. What are you saying? You're saying, I, I'm gonna let it go. I, I'm going to absorb the cost and not lash back out. Instead of taking the, the hurt that you've caused me and, and, and hurting you with it, I'm gonna just absorb it and I'll take it so you don't have to. Right? What do we say when we want revenge? I'm gonna make them pay. Right? You're, saying, you're saying, I'm not gonna absorb the debt. They're going to. And this is forgiveness. And, and we ask God, we come to God and we ask him, God, forgive me. Forgive us our sins. We come, to, we come and we ask God to do this. And we ask him every day. This is a daily prayer. This is the sample prayer. The prayer that Jesus says we should pray. When we pray, we should say this. Uh, we just, he said, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. So we, we know this is a, a repeated daily prayer that Jesus wants us to pray. And now, do we have, and you might say, well, do we have to pray it every day? Really? And I think some people have a view of sin that it's, it's just kind of the big things. You know, it's like murder, adultery, lying, you know, rooting for the wrong football team. Like, these are the big things, the sins uh, that, that you, you know, you should, uh, you should avoid. And if you have that view, you might think, well, you know, I don't sin that often. Uh, you know, so I definitely am a sinner, but I don't sin, I don't sin that often. Um, but, but it's interesting when you start to, to really uh, study scripture and, and you start to, to define sin biblically, how God defines sin, it gets a lot deeper than that. 
And you see it all over. You can look at, at the Ten Commandments, for instance. Right? You look at the second uh, half of the Ten Commandments, and you think, well, that's the big ones. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie. And then the last commandment is do not covet. Do not covet. And that's a really interesting one. What does it mean to covet? Coveting is, is when you look at what someone else has, and you, you desire it, you sinfully desire it, you lust after it in a way that you are, you are discontent with what, how God has, what God has given you. Instead, you wish you could have that or be in that position. Now, it's interesting because coveting is not an action. Right? You can be sitting here, right here in the, your chair, coveting. You can be driving down the road, coveting. You can be on your couch, watching TV, coveting. And so I think the, the, the Tenth Commandment even shows us sin goes deeper than just our actions. It goes to our thoughts, our motives, to, our, to the heart level. And isn't this what Jesus says when he's talking about the law, when he's explaining the law? You've heard it said, you should not commit adultery. I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. You, you've heard it said, you should not murder. But I say, if you hate your brother, You've already murdered him in your heart. Sin isn't just our actions. It's not just the result of the, the, the you know, that's like the end of, of all the thoughts and feelings, and, right? It, it's those thoughts and feelings. It's those motives, those intentions of our hearts. Those are sin as well. Additionally, in, in, in biblically, you can talk about sins of commission and sins of omission, right? Sins of commission are bad things that we do. These are, these are the, the, what we were just talking about, the thoughts, lustful thoughts, coveting, uh, hatred, uh, lying, right? These, these, these things that we do that we, we shouldn't, bad things we do. But then there's also sins of omission, things that we should do that we don't. And if you just think about any commands in scripture, uh, and you just kind of think for a moment about them, you realize this, might, this is probably the bigger category, Right, like you just take, for instance, uh, give thanks in all circumstances. Command. Okay, how many circumstances were you in this week? In how many of them did you give thanks? It's a low percentage, probably. Right, or uh, Philippians two: consider others more important than yourself. When your spouse this week asked you to help around the house, did you consider them more important than yourself? When your, your child uh, asked ask you to play with them or was disobedient and needed discipline, did you consider them more important than yourself? The waitress or waiter who wasn't doing their job, did you consider them more important than yourself? Your employee or your employer, did you consider them? All right, you could go on and on and on. Like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. How did that go this week? Right, you start to see, oh, oh, sin is not just like the big mistakes. <laughs> no, no, no. Like if, if uh, you know, if sin were blue, we would all be Smurfs. <laughs> right, we, we are, comp we're completely compromised by sin. Completely compromised. And, and it's sort of outrageous, isn't it, what Jesus says. 
You, you just come to the Father and you say, Father, forgive us our sins. It's, it's outrageous. I mean, think about it. If you, had a, if you had a debt, you know, if I go to my bank where it holds my mortgage, I say, hey, guys, could y'all just forgive this? Just don't make me pay it. They'd be like, sure, yeah, no problem. <laughs> no. Right? No, because it's a debt. I owe it. And it's the glory of the gospel, isn't it? That when we come to our good father, that he forgives our debt because Jesus has paid it. Right? He bore our sins in his body on the tree. He took the record of debt that was against us with its legal demands, our receipt of sin, and he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. So that when we come to our father and we say, Father, forgive us. He says, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. He absorbs the debt. He pays for us. Now, so we're to pray this. Forgive us our sins. And you might ask, okay, well, do, do, do Christians have to pray this? Because what we just said, Jesus has, for, we, we're forgiven by the work of Jesus. He has done all for us. He's forgiven us all of our sins. He's given us all of his righteousness. In him, we are holy and blameless and righteous before him. We are new creations. We are forgiven, right? This is what we celebrate and we sing about and we enjoy. So if we're already forgiven, why do we have to ask for forgiveness? And I think, I think uh, that's a good question. I think um, in, in it, like our relationships, human relationships, you can see this pretty clearly. There's a good parallel, right? If, I, if, if my son sins against me, right, and, and it, it, he, he needs to come and, and, uh, and ask for my forgiveness, right? Now, he knows that I'll forgive him. <laughs> he's not, he's not, and there's, there's nothing in my mind that I'm like, oh, that was the last one, disowning him. He's not my son. No, like his sonship's never in danger, right? He, he, I will forgive him every single time he sins, no matter what he does, right? But, but he should come and ask me, why? Because of the relational brokenness, right? Sin, it breaks relationship. It, it, it strains relationship. Um, it would be, I would be a, a, a bad father, right? If, if my son is continually sinning against me and I just act like nothing's happened, nothing's wrong, nothing's changed in our relationship. No, of course it has. We need to, I need to forgive him. We need, we need to reconcile and then we can move on. And isn't it the same with God and us? Right now, is our is our forgiveness, our sonship, being being a child of God, is that in danger and jeopardy? No, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Right? Your sin cannot separate you from the love of Christ. But is there a relational brokenness when you sin, when you're walking and away from the Lord? Absolutely. Does sin does sin grieve the heart of God? Yes. And so we we come every day, Father, forgive us. Forgive us. We want to walk with you. We're sorry. We're needy. We're needy people. We need forgiveness. Just like bread is our fundamental physical need, forgiveness is our fundamental spiritual need. We need forgiveness. And just like 
God gives us our bread every day. He gives us forgiveness every day. His mercies are new every morning. We're needy. Second, we need to forgive. We need to forgive. It says, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone in debt to us. And now, what this doesn't mean, it can't mean, if biblically, if you take the whole scripture, this can't mean that he forgives us because we forgive others, right? That like, like we earn his forgiveness by our forgiveness of others. That would be against the whole gospel. But I think this does mean, and you can't get away from, biblically, that, that God's forgiveness of us and our forgiveness of others are very closely linked they can't be separated. And I think the best illustration of this is from Jesus in Matthew 18. I mean, he tells a story. He says there's a king who is going to settle debts with his servants. And his first servant comes up who owes him $10 billion. Right? And I don't know how he, he could possibly owe him $10 billion, but he does. And the, 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 the servant says, I don't have the money to pay this, of course. Um, and the king says, all right, we'll sell him and his family and everything he has and we'll recoup whatever we can from that toward the debt. And, and the servant falls on his knees and begs and says, please have mercy, please be patient. I'll, I'll pay you back, just give me some time. And the king looks at him and has compassion and says, you know what? Don't worry about it. You're forgiven. You don't have to pay. So that servant goes out and just imagine how, <laughs> imagine the, the freedom of, of having a $10 billion debt canceled. And that servant goes out and finds one of his fellow servants who owes him $10,000. Says, hey man, time to, time to pay up. And the man says, hey, I don't, I don't, I don't have it right now. And, and the, the, the guy chokes him and says, give me my money. And, and the, 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 the other servant falls down on his knees and says, have patience with me. Please have mercy. I, I'll, just give me some time. I'll pay you back. And the servant says, no, I won't have mercy. You're going to jail. He takes him to jail, puts him in jail until he can pay his debt. People see this. The other servants see this and they report it to the king. And, and the king says this. I want to read this to you from Matthew 18, 32. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also my heavenly father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. What's the, the point of this story? What is Jesus teaching? He's teaching that you can't have experienced the forgiveness of God. You can't have had an infinite debt forgiven and then hold on to any lesser debt. Or else you're like the servant. You're saying, pay what you owe when you've just been forgiven. Right? The grace of God, the forgiveness of God, it changes us. He changes us. And he frees our hearts so that we don't have to hold or we can let go of every earthly debt. 
And, and if we, we can't forgive, it's a sign that we, we haven't understood the forgiveness of God. We haven't maybe experienced the grace of God truly to know that what we've been forgiven of. And when we read verse four, forgive us our sins for we also, uh, right? Forgive us our sins. We should, we should think, what, what do I need to forgive? Or what do I need to ask for forgiveness for? And, and then we read, for, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. That, I think that should make us go, who do I need to forgive? Who am I holding bitterness toward? Who am I not forgiving? Of course it should. Or we should forgive each other. Right? And, and, and listen, unforgiveness, it, it hurts you and it hurts our body. Someone said, uh, I don't remember who, but someone said um, unforgiveness is like trying to hurt someone else by drinking poison. Man, it just, it's just poison to your soul. It just hurts you, that bitterness, unforgiveness. But more than that, it hurts the church, right? Because what do we do when we gather? We, we read the confession together. We're, we're confessing our sins. We're saying, Father, forgive us. We haven't loved you like we should. We haven't loved our neighbor as we should. Cleanse us. We're, we're praying this, forgive us our sins. And what, is it, what, is it, what does it make us if we, when we say that, there's some among us who aren't forgiving others, who are holding on to bitterness. It makes us hypocrites. It makes us like the servant in the parable. We, we're, bought, we're members of one another. This is a plural, forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us. I notice what it says at the very end there. Who, uh, unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Like it has to be real. You can't fake it. Right, and, and this gets back to that we are needy. How are you supposed to forgive someone if they've done something horrible against you? There, there's only one power in the universe that's strong enough for that. And it's the, the gospel of Jesus. It's receiving his forgiveness and then receiving that grace to be able to extend to others. We need him. We can't even forgive without him. And we need to forgive. We need to forgive. And, and just two kind of pastoral notes on this. You could, t- I mean, there's a lot of sermons here. Um, but I, I do want to say that forgiveness can be a process. It can be a process. And, and I, I, I'm thinking about those of you with, with tender consciences. Um, and I just want, I want you to know that there's, a, there's a, a world of difference between someone who says, man, I, I want to forgive. I know I, I should forgive. And, and uh, I thought I had forgiven them, but it just come up again. And I, I realize I'm still bitter. God help me. I don't know how to, right? There, there's, a, there's a difference between that and between hardening heart. I will never let that go. You see that? It can be a process. It can happen again and again and again. And that's okay. And, and one other thing um, I, I would like to say is that, that forgiveness um, is different from reconciliation, which is different from trust. Right? We're, we're called to forgive. We're called to to have a posture of forgiveness, to offer forgiveness to everyone, right? But there's a lot of people who won't ever ask our forgiveness. 
What should we do? Well, uh, we, we should forgive them in our hearts, right? We should say, I'm not holding this against them. If they were to come to me and ask for forgiveness, I would forgive them, right? We're, we're supposed to, we, we should forgive them, but that doesn't mean that reconciliation is always, always possible. Right? And, then, and then maybe sometimes we can forgive and we can even reconcile in some ways, but we can't trust them because of what, what happened. We can't ever trust them again in the same way that we did before. And that's okay. That doesn't mean forgiveness hasn't happened if you can't, if you can't trust the person again. Trust is hard to earn, right? And, and, and if it's lost, it takes time. But Jesus calls us to forgive as we've been forgiven. And so we must. And we're needy. We're needy, aren't we? Oh, we need his help. We need forgiveness. We need to forgive. And thirdly, we need guidance and protection. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, Matthew adds. Deliver us from the evil one. And, and this, is, this is just a cry for help. <laughs> it's a cry for help. It's like we're, we're walking through a minefield, right? And life is a minefield. We're walking through the world, the flesh and the devil are against us, right? The world, the world system, everything in the world that, that worships and serves everything besides God and is always trying to co-opt us into that. The flesh, our own desires, Right, the, the, what does James say? Our desi- when desire, uh, desire conceived gives birth to sin, sin uh, brings forth death. Our own desire, we want often what's bad for us. And then the devil, Satan himself, a real spiritual enemy, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, P- Peter tells us. Right, he's smarter than we are. He's older and wise, like wiser than we are. He's got so much experience. He hits us when we're down. He knows, he knows our weak points. And there's all these minefields. And so this prayer is to say, God, just lead us through that, the field, the minefield. Help us to get through. Tell us the right way to go. We can't see everything. We're in danger. If you don't help us, we're toast. I think we often don't feel this way because we don't, Realize we don't live in the reality um, that we are in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6, right? I don't know if you've read that lately. The, the passage about the armor of God. It says to put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, right? Our battle's not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers and authorities and powers of this present darkness. That we are in a battle. Life is a, is a war, I think sometimes we think of life more like a cruise ship or like a beach vacation. And I, I wish that was the metaphor. You know, that'd be nicer. Right? Rather than the sword of the spirit, just take up your, your uh, you know, take up your favorite novel and kick back a little and relax. <laughs> That's not it though. Right? And if we act like we're on vacation, right? if, if you go to a battlefield and you act like you're on vacation, what's going to happen? You're going to get demolished. You're going to get destroyed. And we are in a real spiritual battle. Right? And, and we, we need protection and we need guidance. We cannot do it on our own. Only an unbiblical view of the world, the flesh, and the devil would allow us to think that we could make it through without every day coming to the Lord. 
Do not bring us into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Please help us. We need forgiveness. We need to forgive and we need guidance and protection. And Jesus, he, he, notice, he, he assumes this and he invites it. He's not, he's not saying, you again. Let me guess. Stepped on another temptation mine. Right? No, no, not at all. In fact, I, this is not theologically correct. So please don't email me. Actually, you can email me. That's fine. Um, I need to get more emails. But, uh, but uh, the, the, uh, it's, it's more like, at the end of the day, it, like, God's like, surprise. Like, oh, you didn't, you didn't check in today, huh? Okay. How'd that go for you? <laughs> I'm guessing not very well. Right? No, he, he, he expects every day that we would come and we would be needy and we would ask him. And so how do we embrace our neediness? How do we embrace our neediness? If you think of people in the Bible or in church history that you would consider to be strong, right? Um, the, man, the Apostle Paul might be one of the first. He's, on the, he's in the top three, I would say, you know? As just wrote most of the New Testament. That's a pretty good resume. Uh, he uh, was, was the, be- the greatest missionary the world has ever known. He encountered so many, went through so many trials and hardships, planted so many churches, and was faithful unto death. Like, this is a strong guy. And so it's interesting when you read his letters uh, that, that you actually don't get that from him. You don't get that strength. Instead, here's what you, here's what you get. This is from 2 Corinthians Chapter one, I think I put 1 Corinthians one on the slide. So my bad, it's actually 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians one, verse eight. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. He's having this kind of vulnerable moment at the beginning of this letter. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. That's a heavy sentence. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him, we've set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. How did Paul learn to be dependent? How did he learn to be needy? Through suffering. Through suffering, through trial. When you suffer like this, what happens? Oh, you're, you're destroyed. How, you don't know how you can make it. You're tempted in every way to doubt God, to, to hate him, to, to run away, uh, right, to, to leave your, the faith. You're, you're tempted um, in, in, and, and burdened and destroyed in every way so that, you, so that, right, that was to make us rely not on ourselves but on God. And the truth is, I, I think most of us won't learn our dependence until life knocks us down. And perhaps your, your current struggle is, is God teaching you this. 
I do think wherever we are though, right? Whatever your current struggles, your current stresses, your current hardships, your current uh, dangers, your, your current uh, temptations, your current uh, relational tensions, wherever those are in your life, it isn't God inviting you in the midst of those to, to admit your neediness and to come to him. Right? Isn't that the, the only step <laughs> to admit we just need his help? I just can't do it. I don't have what it takes. Admit his neediness and ask for his help. Because neediness is the gateway to grace. Neediness is the gateway to grace. Right? Jesus wants you to pray this every day. He wants us to pray this every day for our daily bread, for forgiveness, for, for help and, and protection and guidance. Why? Because he wants to give it to us. He wants to meet us there. Right? God opposes the proud, James tells us, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Listen, I, I want to be strong. I want to be self-sufficient. I want people to think that I'm strong and self-sufficient. But I'm not. I'm just not. <laughs> I can't do it. But Jesus is. He's the strong one. He's the one who's actually in control. He's the one who knows what's happening. He's the one who can help. And it's a paradox of the Christian life. We, we are strongest when we are weakest. We're strongest when we're weakest. Um, later on in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about um, uh, some revelations that he had. Um, and he says that he, he received some sort of, he calls it a messenger of Satan to humble him, right? Some people uh, think it's some sort of disease or disability or injury. Some, some scholars think it's, it's something to do with his eyesight, like failing eyesight or something like that. Um, but he asked God to take it away. And, and this is um, 2 Corinthians 12. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Jesus expects us to be weak. He invites us to admit it and to come and ask for help. Won't we do that? Or, or will, will our, our pride, our vanity, our self-sufficiency stand in the way of receiving the grace that God has for us? Let's pray. As the band comes up, I want to give you a moment just to reflect.
Maybe there's something you need to confess to the Lord and ask for his forgiveness. Maybe there's someone that you need to forgive. You know it. Maybe you need to go outside and make a phone call. That's fine. Maybe there's some area of your life that you realize, man, you've been operating in your own strength. You need to cry. Cry out to God. Admit your neediness. someone to pray for you if you'd like someone to pray for you we have people in the back the prayer team that would love to to pray with you pray for you maybe maybe you're you're not a Christian maybe you're not a believer I mean and I just want to say just like as Christians we're called to admit our neediness for God's forgiveness. That's also how you become a Christian. You just give up. Say, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I've, I've rebelled against Jeff's sin. I trust that you died for me. You rose from the dead. You're the king. Would you, would you forgive me? Would you accept me? And he will. sin would you forgive us (laughs) forgive us as we forgive those who've sinned against us would you protect us Lord we don't know the best way we don't we don't even know uh, the dangers that lurk right around the corner so would you guide us would you protect us we need your help Father, thank you that though we are weak, that you are strong. We are limited. You are limitless. We don't know, but you do. Please lead us to trust you more. In Jesus' name.